Uh, let's take our Bibles this morning, turn to Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49 is a chapter uh, which marks the beginning of a new section uh, in the book. Uh, would you agree that uh, we've seen some, some problems in Judah up to this point? There have been some problems uh, for sure, some uh, warnings regarding sin and, and grave sin indeed. <coughs> and so... Uh, we understand that, uh, like ourselves, Judah, Brother Ray needed a solution. Of course, that solution is Christ, uh, who would come and ultimately go to the cross, uh, paying the price for all of their sins uh, and all of our sins as well. And so uh, from chapters 49 to chapter 57, we, we see Christ portrayed um, as a, a servant, uh, as a servant, uh, here uh, in this chapter, uh, a servant uh, who comes um, particularly for the Gentile nations. We see that in this chapter and a little bit in the next chapter as well. Uh, and then uh, uh, in chapter, uh, next chapter, chapter 50, uh, Christ the Messiah is portrayed uh, as a servant primarily of God the Father. Uh, and then uh, after that, a servant of Israel. Uh, a servant. Uh, is there a sense in which Christ has come as a servant? Brother Gary, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, he came to die for us. He, he very much, in, in that sense, came to serve us uh, by being uh, the sacrifice for us that would satisfy God the Father. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you've ever really thought about it that way, but in that sense, Christ absolutely, definitely came to uh, be a servant to us, for us. And so if he laid down his life as a servant to us, Gary, if he calls us now to serve him, seems like a pretty just uh, command uh, to me, uh, to me. Uh, and so the servant, the servant, Christ the Messiah, the servant uh, in this section of the book. Let's pray, uh, and we'll jump in and see this here this morning. Father, we do thank you, Lord, so very much uh, for this season. Lord, we thank you for, I thank you for each one who was able to minister yesterday uh, to the residents at Mayfair. What a joy, Father, to minister to them and, uh, and to hear the gospel preached to them uh, and to hear and to see them responding to the gospel. Lord, we understand this morning this season is about our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one uh, who came very much uh, to serve us by dying for us. Father, I pray this morning as we begin to look at this theme uh, over these next several chapters, Lord, that uh, you give us a heart uh, to appreciate these things, to understand, and Lord, to serve our Savior right back again. Father, give us hearts to serve uh, as Christ came to serve. Lord, I thank you this morning that because of Christ, we can know you. And because of Christ, we can serve you. Lord, thank you. I pray that you help me now. I need that. I pray, Lord, that you just encourage us here in your words this morning. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in chapter 49, Isaiah 49 uh, again. I don't normally read uh, before uh, we begin in Sunday school, but I want to read just a little bit here. Uh, maybe the first uh, three or four verses, and then we'll come back to 
uh, verse 1. So uh, the Lord seems to be speaking here in uh, Isaiah 49, verse 1. He says, Listen, O isles, unto me, uh, and hearken, ye people, from afar. Uh, the Lord hath called me from the womb. This would seem to be uh, the, the Lord Jesus speaking at times. Uh, at other times, it, it seems that it's, it's God the Father speaking, but it's the Lord speaking. The Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother, uh, hath he made mention of my name. He hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. We know that must be Christ. Uh, in the shadow of his hand hath he hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me and said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then said I, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain. Yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. I'm going to pray again and we'll jump in here. Father, thank you, uh, Lord, this morning for uh, these thy words. Thank you for giving them. Thank you for preserving them. Father, I understand this morning that Christ in his humanity surely felt uh, that he, was, he had labored in vain uh, at times uh, as he was rejected by the Jews for whom he came first. Lord, I thank you this morning that in truth, uh, in reality, he did not come in vain. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for sending your only begotten Son. Help us now, Father, I pray uh, in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Stop and think about this for a second. Is this the first passage in Isaiah where we've seen very clear prophecies uh, of Christ? Uh, it's not. Of course it's not. We have uh, Isaiah 7.14. Uh, we have Isaiah 11. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch uh, shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Uh, Christ is all over uh, the book of Isaiah. Uh, it ultimately is he who is prophesied as the answer uh, to all of their problems. Uh, stop thinking about this. Was the captivity an answer uh, to the, the sin problem of, of Judah? Well, Brother Ray, it, it was part of the answer. Uh, certainly. We also know that the people, uh, as much as they were corrected in part, uh, were not corrected entirely, 100% uh, completely. Uh, we are a stubborn people as, as they were. And so there was a need for a final, ultimate, total solution uh, to the sin problem of Judah and to the sin problem that, that each of us face. Of course, it is the rod that came forth from the stem of Jesse. Uh, it is the branch. It is the one who uh, was prophesied to come uh, as a servant uh, by a virgin uh, at Bethlehem of a certain family line uh, at a certain time. All, all uh, aspects uh, of the prophecy uh, of his coming. First part of Isaiah 49, we see uh, a prophecy that Christ would come um, with authority, uh, and he would come uh, as a servant. We've seen that. Uh, a servant who would bring light uh, to the darkness. And of course, uh, this is no doubt a, a picture of the spiritual light that Christ would bring uh, into a spiritually dark world. Uh, see the authority here in, in verse 1, the authority of Christ 
uh, the Messiah who was sent and called from the womb. Listen, O isles, uh, unto me, and hearken, uh, ye people, from far. That's a command. Uh, listen, hearken, hear me. Uh, that, that's a command. That's, the, that's a command given from uh, one who possesses authority. Uh, the Lord hath called me from the womb. Uh, sure enough, Christ was sent. Uh, he was uh, made flesh uh, at the incarnation uh, in the womb. He says, from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention uh, of my name. And of course, we again, we know Isaiah seven fourteen. he came uh, as a virgin. Matthew 1, it was announced, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure that the folks, the residents at Mayfair, if they didn't know that, they know that now, right? Amen. God with us. Uh, by the way, um, was Christ created at the incarnation? Uh, was, was he created? Uh, no, no. He, he's the one who always has been and always will be. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Uh, he took on flesh uh, at the incarnation. Uh, by the way, at what point uh, was he made a man? At, at what point in that process? That give thoughts? Um, at what point did Christ take on flesh and become a man? Probably, yeah, not probably, de definitely, right? When, when the Holy Spirit came upon Mary uh, and she conceived uh, in, in the womb, right? Yeah, at, at that point... Uh, Christ was present as both uh, one person, but with two natures, a divine nature and a human nature who took on flesh uh, in the womb, grew there in the womb. And, and uh, on that, we might say, first Christmas morning, he, uh, he came forth uh, from, from Mary uh, after uh, nearly 10 months. His authority uh, to call forth people uh, to listen uh, his authority uh, pictured as a sharp sword, verse 2. And he hath made, uh, Christ speaking of the Father, uh, it would seem, he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword, uh, like a sharp sword. Uh, in the shadow of his hand hath he hid me and made me a polished shaft in his quiver. What's a, what's a quiver? It's a place where you store the arrows, right? Uh, the shaft of the arrows are held in the quiver. Uh, in his, qui in his quiv quiver hath he uh, hid me. He says, he made my mouth like a sharp uh, sword. And of course, that's language that is familiar to us uh, in the New Testament. For example, in, in Hebrews 4, uh, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts both ways, uh, piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit uh, and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts uh, and intents of the heart. Is the word of God powerful? Uh, it, it is powerful indeed. Of course, in John uh, 1, not 1 John, in John 1, he, Jesus called the word, right? Uh, he, he's the word in, incarnate. Uh, there's other places where there's similar language. In, in uh, Revelation 2 and verse 12, uh, Christ is addressing the church at Pergamos. He says, these things has he uh, which hath the sharp sword. These things saith he, uh, which hath the sharp sword with two edges, uh, his words that pierce uh, and convict uh, and give light. And Revelation 19:15, out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, uh, his words that convict 
uh, and give light that expose error and sin and the answer to error and sin and, and uh, give light. His, his words, um, I've, I've said that uh, this, this picture is his word, but uh, I began by saying it's a picture of his authority. Uh, why, why might I say that? Uh, why might I say that? Gary, thoughts? Uh, if this is picturing Christ and his words, why, why might this be an illustration of his authority also? Um, Zach, oh, go ahead, you have, you have a thought. He's giving instruction, call, calling as one who's authoritative, giving instruction. Uh, yes, Zach, you had a thought to add to that? The word of God has authority. And I always say it has authority whether we recognize that authority or not, right? It, is, it has absolute perfect authority uh, the, because it is the word of God, the person of God, who has absolute perfect authority. Uh, persons, if you wish, the triune Godhead, uh, have absolute perfect authority. The word of God has absolute uh, authority in our lives. Lord, help us to recognize that authority, your authority, and to heed, uh, to heed your authority. Uh, in verse 3, uh, Christ the servant uh, is pictured as, um, you might say, the true Israel. See this verse, um, uh, verse 3, uh, and said unto me, um, Thou art my servant. This, this is probably God the Father speaking to God the Son, saying, Thou art my servant. Uh, and then he says, O Israel, in whom I will uh, be glorified. Now, it's possible that the Lord here, you, and you might always have understood this to be a statement that the Lord is making to Israel. Uh, that, that is a possibility, but in the context here, uh, in which the, uh, the language is, is either being spoken by Christ or uh, at times addressed to Christ, uh, I think it's more likely that the Father is actually uh, referring to Christ as Israel. See the verse again. He's, uh, it said unto me, Thou art my servant, um, O Israel. Uh, I, I think, uh, it's not my original thought, certainly, um, that here the father is referring to the son as his servant uh, and calling him Israel. Zach, think about that for a second. Why might God the father call God the son his servant uh, and refer to him as Israel? Uh, any thoughts? I'm asking you the hard one, but... Uh, Israel is God's people. Yep, absolutely. And, and uh, Jesus came uh, of them. I think the idea here probably is that uh, God had chosen a people, right, um, and raised up a nation of those people for his purpose uh, to serve him, right, to serve him, to worship him, uh, ultimately to be a light to the world, right? Israel uh, existed for a variety of reasons that uh, to bring forth the Messiah into the world to worship God uh, to give him praise honor and glory not only internally but also to the world um, as well and so in, in that sense Israel the nation was very clearly intended by God to serve him to be his servant um, were they a very good servant yeah 
not, not all the time. Uh, they, they failed, uh, as we do, let's be humble this morning, uh, let's not look down our noses at them, but as we do. Uh, we, we are called to be servants, but, but we fail. Israel was called forth to be, and raised up to be God's servant and, uh, and failed uh, tragically uh, and, and repeatedly. And so now Christ is being pictured here as being sent by God the Father uh, in and to and through Israel uh, to be the, the ultimate uh, true servant, the ultimate uh, perfect Israel. And Zach, yeah, he, did, he came through Israel. So that, that is, is referenced here as well. Um, he said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel. He seems to be, Lord, God the Father seems to be using uh, the word Israel as, as a title uh, of, of the Messiah. Servant, yes. Uh, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Certainly, uh, God the Father was glorified by God the Son. Stop thinking about that for a second. It's prophesied here that God the Father, if we understand correctly, that the Father would be glorified by the Son. Was he? How? Yeah, he, he followed the Lord's instruction uh, perfectly, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably the best answer that you, you could give. He followed uh, the plan uh, of the Father to a T, uh, despite the fact that as, when he came, uh, one person still, but with two natures, in, including a human nature, it was hard, right? And uh, he desired in his humanity uh, to not uh, follow through with the plan if there was any other way, right? That was his prayer. Uh, in the garden. If there was any way that that cup could pass from him, uh, he, he prayed, Lord, Lord, bring that to pass. But uh, he, he never deviated from the plan of the Father. He was perfectly obedient. He glorified uh, the Father in every way. Uh, and so I think we do well this morning to ask, does our own obedience glorify the Lord? Yeah, sure it does. Uh, sure it does. And, and that's motivation uh, to want to obey, to know what the Bible says, uh, to receive it uh, and understand it as best we can with the Lord's help, uh, and to obey it the best we can with the Lord's help, remembering that if God has commanded us, there is strength available in him, if you know Christ is your Savior, uh, to, to obey him. Uh, look at verse 4. Uh, then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain. Uh, yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with God. And so uh, I do, I think I mentioned this already. I think here uh, you have the Lord saying that there was a sense in which uh, he felt this is probably Christ in his humanity, again, uh, feeling as if he came uh, in vain, uh, almost certainly, uh, in the sense that he was rejected by Israel, by the people that God chose and, and raised up and assembled into a nation to bring him into the world, uh, to, to call them to himself, the, the prophesied Messiah. They rejected him. Uh, the people, the nation that the Lord called uh, to be a light to the world, to be his perfect servant, uh, not only were not that, but they rejected Christ when he came. And in that sense, I think in his humanity, uh, in his human nature, he felt that he had labored in vain. Do we ever feel that way? Brother Ray, do we ever feel that way? Sure we do. We, we serve and we serve and we serve and 
sometimes we don't see uh, the result that we expect or sometimes we don't see, we can't see uh, any result. And so we're tempted at times, perhaps as Christ was tempted in his humanity, uh, to feel that he labored in vain. Now, did Christ labor in vain? I've already asked you that. No, certainly not. Uh, he came, he was perfectly obedient, he went to the cross uh, as perfect sacrifice, sinless, uh, spotless, paid the price for our sin. Uh, that was uh, his primary reason for coming. I understand he offered his kingdom to the Jews and so forth. There were other, uh, other offers that were made and, and they rejected him. They rejected him, but certainly uh, the primary reason that he came was satisfied and so, uh, his, his labor was not in vain. And, and so I ask you the same question. Uh, if you are serving the Lord according to his will uh, as a saved, baptized church member in and through, <clears throat> excuse me, the ministries of your church, uh, serving in the Lord's power for his purposes, uh, but you are not seeing results, you are not seeing results, is your labor in vain? No, I agree. Why? You're following the Lord's instruction. You're serving according to his will. Uh, if you are obeying the Lord, you're, you're demonstrating love to him. Uh, you're glorifying him through, through your obedience. Zach, according to Revelation 11.4, we would also add that we're doing what? Yeah, his pleasure, pleasing him, which he says there is purpose for his entire creation. And so uh, if we are serving obediently, uh, whether we can see obvious results before our eyes, you can know from the word of God that it's not in vain because you are glorifying the Lord uh, and you are pleasing him and probably accomplishing many other things that the Lord, only the Lord can see, only, only the Lord knows, but uh, our labor is, is never in vain. We go out and, and hang mailboxes in trouble that that's not in vain. God sees, God knows, God pleased. Uh, we go out, talk to people on the street, God sees that, he ple he's pleased. Uh, we, we go... Uh, in obedience to the Great Commission in Matthew 28, uh, that pleases the Lord. It glorifies him, whether we see results or not. That you serve the Lord in and through any of the ministries here, Rich, whether it's music or, or anything else. We know that we're accomplishing the Lord's pleasure. We know that we're accomplishing uh, his glory. Stop and think about this. Brother Ray, what's the, what's the temptation what is our human temptation when we can see a lot of results from our labors, from our service? We tend to take credit. We tend to get prideful. That is not a good thing. Uh, that is not a good thing. Um, I love to see results, but I know in my heart when I see a lot of results, there is a temptation uh, to be prideful. And so you have to war against that, right? Lord, just help me to stand guard against that, to know that uh, any results that are, are visible as we're serving you, that is you working in us and through us and you accomplishing some visible result through us. That's not me. That's God working in me and through me. He deserves the honor and he deserves 
uh, the glory. Uh, as we give forth the gospel, do you have power apart from the Lord to convict? Do you have power apart from the Lord uh, to give someone faith that they can place upon Christ? Uh, no, we don't. But we can do our part to simply give forth the words through which the Holy Spirit convicts uh, and, and imparts faith and uh, give God the credit uh, for that. Verse 5, And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb uh, to be his servant, uh, to bring J Jacob uh, again to him, Jacob being a reference, no doubt, to the nation, uh, though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious uh, in the eyes of the Lord, and my God uh, shall be my strength. There's a lot of good stuff, uh, some challenging things, but uh, a lot going on in this verse. I believe this is Christ uh, speaking uh, of uh, the Father. He says, now the Lord hath formed me from the womb to be his servant. So uh, by the way, who is it that formed Christ in Mary's womb? Uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, we understand the Holy Spirit is the one who uh, conceived uh, that, that, that conception, right, supernaturally. Uh, no doubt the Holy Spirit had a role in, in continuing to superintend the development of Christ uh, in the womb. Perhaps God the Father did also. I think there's some uh, suggestion of that in, in this passage. Um, who is it that, look at the end of the verse, God shall be my strength. Uh, in whose strength did Christ serve during his earthly ministry? Say again. Uh, well, it says God here, certainly. Um, who is it that um, descended upon Christ at his uh, baptism? That was the Holy Spirit, right? And so... Uh, that, that literally satisfies the idea that, that he is the Messiah, the anointed one. He's anointed with the Holy Spirit quite literally. Uh, we understand that. Uh, and, and so it seems to be the case that uh, he voluntarily laid aside the exercise, the liberty to exercise all of his attributes uh, and chose instead to serve uh, in the power and strength of the Lord. Here it says God. Uh, in the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit God? He's not the Father, but he is the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal, uh, in every way equal. Um, there's a hierarchy of authority, but, but equal in substance and in every other way. It's a voluntary hierarchy, no, no doubt. Uh, Christ served uh, in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit voluntarily. Uh, Rich, we've said many times, no doubt as an example to us, right? Uh, Christ was baptized. The Holy Spirit anointed him to serve. Uh, we get baptized into the membership of a church, uh, and, and we serve the Lord in that church, not in our own strength, uh, but in the strength of the Lord, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus came uh, to be a servant. Yes, to bring Jacob again to the Lord, to call Israel uh, back to the Lord. Uh, they ultimately rejected him. They were not gathered back to the Lord. Nonetheless, uh, the Messiah was glorious in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, because why? Well, because he came uh, and did what he was sent to do. And uh, there again, uh, should speak to us and be an example for us. The Lord has brought us into the world to obey him, to serve him, 
if we'll do that, that's glorious in his eyes. How can we do that? Well, just as Christ came uh, and, and had God as his strength, we serve in the Lord's strength, not our own. Turn to Philippians 2 and verse 5, just for a moment, please. Brother Ray, this is Sunday school, so I want to just uh, look at this uh, issue real fast. Philippians uh, 2, in, um, beginning in verse 5. Uh, this is the so-called kenosis passage, K-E-N-O-S-I-S. This is Sunday school, so we dig a little deeper here just for a moment. Um, to say that Christ served in the strength of the Father uh, and or the Holy Spirit um, is consistent with how we understand this passage in Philippians 2. Paul writing, of course, to the church members at Philippi, uh, chapter 2, verse 5, he says, let this mind be in you, that's you all, uh, which also, uh, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, yeah, came as God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Is Jesus equal to God the Father? He is absolutely equal. He voluntarily submitted to the Father's authority. He's otherwise absolutely equal uh, to God. Uh, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a what? What is it in verse 7? A servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself uh, to the Father and became obedient unto death, even uh, the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him. Look back in verse 7, made himself of no reputation. No reputation is the, uh, the Greek kenoo, uh, or empty, or it refers to emptying. And so sometimes you'll hear it taught and preached that when Christ came, uh, he emptied himself of his divinity. Uh, he, lay, he, he, just, he was completely emptied of his divinity and uh, was only uh, a man uh, when he came. But we know that's, that's not true. Brother Ray, I can see, uh, and we could begin to list uh, examples of Christ exercising his divinity uh, as, as he came. He did empty himself of something, though, as he became uh, one of, of no reputation. The word literally uh, refers to emptying. And so again, uh, the language that I think is, is most fitting and, and most biblically accurate is that he, uh, he emptied himself voluntarily of the privilege to exercise all of his divine attributes. Uh, he could have exercised all of his divine attributes during his earthly ministry, but he chose, he voluntarily chose to empty himself of the privilege uh, to do that. Brother Ray, that's consistent with uh, uh, Isaiah 49, 5, he, he, and God shall be my strength. Uh, it's consistent with his um, anointing with the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's consistent with the idea that he came as God and a man, uh, but chose to empty himself of the privilege to exercise his own divine attributes and to instead serve in the strength of the other members of the Godhead. Zach as an example, as we've already said, as an example. And so uh, I believe that would be the very best way to um, understand this um, passage in Philippians 2 uh, and to harmonize it with a verse like verse 5 that we're looking at here this morning. Um, Christ no doubt um, emptied himself of the privilege voluntarily 
as an example to us. Brother Ray, I'm not God. I do, I do not possess divine attributes apart from the Lord working in me as I yield to him. And then that's not me, that's him working in me and through me as I yield to him. Uh, Christ demonstrated the, the needfulness to us to yield to the Lord and to serve in his strength. Rich, you, you serve in the music ministry today, not in your own strength, but in God's strength. Zach, you're going to stand and uh, lead us uh, in, in singing and worship this morning. Please do that in God's strength, not, not your own strength. Lord willing, Josiah will join us for the last song this morning on, on his clarinet. I'm going to ask you to do that in God's strength and for the Lord, not in your own strength and not for yourself. You do that for the Lord and in his strength, looking to him for strength uh, and courage and ability. And then you don't have to worry about it. Uh, I'm, I'm doing it for the Lord and I'm, and I'm looking to him. Brother Ray, you're in the sound booth, not for yourself, but for the Lord uh, serving this morning uh, in his strength uh, as Christ served uh, in the strength of the other members of, of the God. Let's go just a little bit further. Uh, verse 6, uh, and he said... It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, that's Israel, uh, and to restore the preserved of Israel. Uh, yeah, sure enough, Christ came first to call the Jewish people of Israel to the Lord, uh, to himself. Uh, and then there's a colon, and then this statement. He says, I will also give thee for light to the Gentiles. This father speaking to Christ. You're going to come and you're going to call the Jewish people, the tribes, to me through you. But at the same time, I'm also sending you to be a light. I'm giving you for a light, a spiritual light to the Gentiles as well. And so that's the prophecy. It would come both for the Jews and for the Gentiles. We have... Uh, ethnically Jewish people and ethnically Gentile people uh, in the building this morning. And so uh, I say praise God uh, for that. Now, here's a question. When Christ came, did he come for the Jews first? That's the prophecy. Uh, that's prophecy. In Matthew 10, 5, um, these 12 uh, Jesus sent forth, referring to the, uh, the disciples, and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, into any city of the Samaritans, uh, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That was his command to them. At this point, early in his ministry, don't go to the Gentiles. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Call them back to the Father through me, uh, the Messiah. Uh, in Matthew 15, Jesus answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep uh, of the house of Israel. At that point, that, that was the case. He was sent to, as, as a shepherd uh, to bring the sheep uh, that were Israel back to the Father uh, through himself. Now, at what point did he broaden his ministry um, in fulfillment of verses like Isaiah 49, verse 6? At what point did he broaden his ministry uh, to now address Gentiles as well as Jews? At what point did he do that? Uh, man, I have a verse, but um, the, the point at which it was clear that he was rejected by them 
the point at which it was clear that, that he was rejected by them. Um, that, that is clear, and we, we, we go through and study that, but we won't take time to do that um, this morning. Uh, in Isaiah 42, Jesus called uh, a light unto the Gentiles. Uh, later in Isaiah 60, uh, the Bible says, Gentiles shall come to thy light uh, and kings to thy brightness. Uh, in Luke 2, uh, Simeon, uh, Simeon uh, um, said, a light to lighten the Gentiles and, and glory uh, of, the people, of thy people Israel. Simeon understood the scriptures and, and proclaimed that Jesus came for both. And uh, clearly once he had been rejected, he broadened his ministry uh, to include uh, both Jews and Gentiles. Uh, the one sent authoritatively uh, with authoritative words uh, to give light both to Jews and to Gentiles. Uh, praise God. Praise God. We'll stop there this morning. We'll come back uh, and look at this, uh, not next Sunday morning. Uh, that'll be Christmas morning. Next Sunday morning, we'll only have the 11 o'clock service. Uh, but we'll pick this up here, Lord willing, the following week. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, this morning uh, for your words. Uh, Lord, we thank you this morning um, for the, the wonder of prophecy. Lord, we thank you this morning for the encouragement to our faith. We can see prophecies regarding Christ in the Old Testament and those prophecies fulfilled and perfectly in the New Testament. Father, we understand that uh, it was prophesied that Christ would come as a light uh, to both Jews and Gentiles. And Lord, that is exactly what he accomplished. Father, I thank you this morning that um, the fruit of, that, of the fulfillment of that prophecy is, is seen uh, even in our own church today. Uh, ethnically Jewish people and ethnically Gentile people saved uh, and having been added to the membership of the same assembly, serving you together. Lord, we understand this morning that's your plan, and that's what you have accomplished. Father, I praise you for that this morning. I glorify and honor you for that this morning. Lord, I understand this morning that Christ came as a servant, uh, one who had authority but who humbled himself to be a servant uh, to us uh, to accomplish our salvation. And, Lord, that you were glorified in that. Father, I pray this morning that you give us hearts to glorify you and to honor you in the same way. By humbly yielding ourselves to you. Humbly obeying you. Lord, not in our own strength, but in strength that is from you. Lord, I understand this morning that Christ gave us a wonderful example of ministering in your strength rather than in his own. Lord, help us to follow that example, to yield ourselves even now in this moment and look to you for grace, for strength, to serve you. Knowing, Lord, this morning that we can. Knowing, Lord, this morning that that pleases you, that honors you, that glorifies you. Lord, give us hearts this morning to be a wonderful encouragement to each other to serve you that way as we fellowship together. Lord, give us hearts this morning to serve you 
as we worship you in the next hour and continue in your words. Father, I love you this morning. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. See you back shortly. In the crown of